Y'all looking sexy today. Dang. Brian's been on this? the uh, bull steroids again, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at that manly strat that Richard's got over there. Mm. Mm. Strat, mm. you said. Oh, yes. Uh, I guess it's not really a manly strat. It's just a strat. It, yeah, I, mean, I don't think it, it has a gender. It, it doesn't have a gender. It doesn't have like biceps or anything, you know? So it you should have. That's a muscular strat. No, nope. it, it is a powerful <laughs> guitar. I'm gonna say it could be powerful. Could be powerful. Power, totally powerful. There you go. Um, mm. This was this was uh, some incredible happenstance, Bry. Uh, a listener who shall remain nameless very kindly lent me a 1963 Fender Stratocaster. Wow. It's had some work. It's had a, a new switch added in the Wait 70s. Wait a minute. Is David Gilmore one of our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> we, Take a shot. We said, we said we weren't going to mention his name, but yes. It, it, <laughs> it, may, it may rhyme with Ravid Fillmore. Um, <laughs> so, no, uh, it, it's not an all-original, but uh, like I care. Um, it's, uh, it's a really interesting privilege and experience, uh, and it's had quite a bit of testing since I got it, so... Um, uh, and, and he was like, I, I don't want you to just, you know, look at this thing. I want you to play it. So I was like, I, I will definitely play it, sir. Do not worry. Um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's a piece of history. Um, and, uh, it's quite light as well. That's what surprised me. It's the lightest of all three of my strats. Um, hmm. so. I actually tend to like lighter guitars. Actually, I, I, for I, some reason, they, they generally sound better to me i've just noticed i i actually only own two strats so i just said all three of my strats as if i'm not going to be giving this one back i mean <laughs> i would you have just move. such a thing i mean you could just move yeah. you know have you got those plane tickets ready blake i'm coming to portland dude <laughs> yeah come on over <laughs> i mean this is this i've is got no the plane doubt. tickets and i've got an empty wall hanger so it'll be perfect <laughs> well, that's for more when than you get I've over got here. on both counts uh no, I mean, this is the most expensive guitar I've ever played. Um, more expensive than the Uber Gretsch that I played and the Brent Mason, but it's a vintage. Uh, as I say, not the original pick guard, I don't think. It's had some some work on it, but it's definitely a vintage pick guard. Um, that some other bits and pieces may not be right, but a lot of it is incredibly vintage. Um, it's surprisingly interesting sonically as well. Like, the, the, there's no doubt it's different than a modern strat. Absolutely no really? doubt. You hear it a hundred percent. So, you hear so it. how would how would you kind of compare the two? You got a you say you have a modern uh, modern strat. Let's uh, I don't know what American made. I don't know. Yeah, American, American player I mean, series I've, or something. I've compared it to my other two strats. So my other two strats, I've got like a Fender Special Run with custom shop fifties pickups in it, which is uh, a nitro finished strat which is quite an interesting guitar and i've got a modern um player 2 stratocaster which has hss pickup so i compared all three guitars including the, the, the 1963 the 1963 has the most kind of compressed but expansive in the mid-range area pickups like there's something different about the sound of it i can't 
quite put my finger on it. It's going to take months, if not years, of playtesting before <laughs> of testing, I'm able... Thoroughly yeah, testing. Thorough yes. testing. Thorough, mm-hmm. thorough testing in my house in Miami. Um, <laughs> but it's also... It feels quite hot. Like, it pushes my amp immediately towards crunch territory, whereas my other strats are very clean into the amp as it is. Uh, and I hmm. didn't expect that from a vintage strat. I expected warm, mellow tones, but, you know, I guess there's a lot of difference <laughs> in pickup wines throughout the 60s and 70s, etc. Well, that's the thing is, back in the day, well, I know this to be more true with PAS, but I kind of assume it to be true with straps and tellies as well, is they weren't as consistent as they are now. You For know, sure. We, we tend to think of of a strap being more like what you described, but you know, somebody could have been having a, a weird day and they put a few extra wines on the bobbin that day, you know? Right. They, they just happened to, you know, drop their cigarette ash onto their machine because they'd all be smoking at their machines back of then. Of course, they absolutely. Down, drink a beer, uh, and then suddenly, oh, look, I've accidentally overwound this. Never mind. Uh, Never mind, a- we're going to put it in a guitar anyway because these people don't know the difference. Uh, so, it, as I say, it had the uh, five-position uh, switch. It's a 1970s five-position switch added. And I think that the whole body was refinished in nitro, but back in, in the 80s by uh, what I've I've heard. So it's had lots of work. But it it's definitely, it's harder to play than a regular Strat. The, the frets, even though they've been polished and crowned, I think, are not as tall and not as fat as a modern Strat. So bending anywhere above like fret 15 is quite hard because when you bend right up you basically catch another string and you have to really push down to avoid that which doesn't feel natural by modern guitar standards also it's very handmade like you can see that the fret markers are not perfectly central and things like that things that fender have obviously worked on over the years and got absolutely perfect in 1963, this is like nine year old. This guitar for Fender's run, right? It's not not even a ten year guitar at this point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, just just two years before Leo Fender sold the company, too. Right. Um, so, 65 was the CBS sale, which is when all the headstock weirdness started and all of that um, good stuff that we all love. So, this is the original um, Fender Stratocaster, as per Leo's design, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's that's super cool because that's the thing about vintage guitars is they're not necessarily. I, I think we we tend to get or I'm generalizing all guitar players right now, but we tend to think of it as like old stuff is better because it's old, and that's not necessarily true. But there is some sort of feeling that you get when you're playing a vintage guitar at least for me, that I'm like, I'm playing a piece of history. And like, I'm playing things that were made well before I was alive, you know? Right. And it, it's and like this time traveling. Don't get me wrong, this sounds unique. The The middle pickup on it, Bri, is to die for. The middle pickup is, Wait, is... You use the middle pickup on a Strat? Well, not It's the normally. only good one. Not, it's the on. only good pickup on a Strat. What? Not normally, yeah. right? But this one sounds more like a cross between a Telecaster's... Well, it sounds more like a Telecaster's middle position than it does... Uh, a, a strat at all it's very mm. sharp and jangly and i love it i mm. think it's uh, it, in what some people would call position two or me being backwards might call position four it sounds fantastic uh but Wait, it's uh, a little bit uh, dirty 
What do you call position one? Neck or bridge? Uh, that would be neck for me. Really? Yeah, I, this, I kind of, I read backwards that way because that's the nearest me, so that's position one and the furthest away would be position five. That makes sense to me. The, let me look at the manual though. I think that's I, I've never wrong. read a manual for a guitar in my life, Brian. Why would <laughs> I haven't need? either. I would, I would, no, I would Take see guitar, a, add strap, uh, <laughs> play. I mean... Uh, I want to see if there is a manual. Can you even get a manual? You can get manuals for strats. Let's see. Let's see what it says. Is the manual going to tell me how to play better? Is that going to help? <laughs> I mean, this has really, really uh, shown me the failings in my playing, by the way, which is not a bad thing at all, but it is really interesting. Because, of course, 63 guitar in my hands, I'm immediately going, I'm, I'm now Dave Gilmore. I must now play every Gilmore song. And whilst I can pull them off... Take two shots. <laughs> nowhere near as well as I can on a modern strat with with modern, I guess you'd say, architecture. Brian's finding oh, the manual now. I am. I'm looking through the manuals, but it's not telling me like position one. Inconclusive. You know, mm. and I'm like, the, I need someone to define this. We need some actual answers here. Well, you perhaps know? our listeners which one might is it? want to tell us which one of us it's is It's just his neck and bridge. Is it me or is it Bry? I would say I, position I, one is is bridge. That's what I call position one. Do you read? Oh, my guitars only right have three left, positions, so right, I don't Brian. I don't understand any of this. Um, I what do you mean? I read, I read left or right like everybody's supposed to. You so know? if you're looking down yeah. at the guitar, then you're reading one on the right and five on the left. If you yes. write the alphabet, are you putting Z on the left and A on the right? Well, but this is not the alphabet. This is pickups of the <laughs> guitar. It's, it's the same logic, like visually. Well, I understand, but the internet culture says that that uh, position one is the bridge. Hmm. Okay. I don't even I know mean, why you'd be in in the bridge position in the first place on a strat. It sounds what? like oh, it sounds like shrill garbage. That, yes. No, 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 no. You got to do position one into just a cranked Marshall. Uh, no, I don't. Just, it's trebly. But it just punches through, man. No, and again, it's not. It's no good. There mm -hmm. was a lovely feel. I, I played uh, "People Are Strange" by the Doors. Yes, Brian, on purpose uh, on this guitar, <laughs> on the the bridge pickup, uh, and it's got that really nice '60s tone to it. There was no doubt. It actually blended perfectly with the record. So, it's got its own voice. Is that voice better than a modern? professional American Strat or indeed a custom shop Strat, no, it is different. And that's mm -hmm. the thing about these. They are different. They're not better. They're not worse. But like having somebody else's guitar, especially one like this, it's kind of like a holiday romance. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's the <laughs> most beautiful thing at the time. You think, oh, it's going to last forever. And when we go back home from Lanzarote or wherever you go when you're 15, and, you know, you, you're going to hook up, you're going to ring each other and write letters, and it never happens. Like, I know when this guitar goes back, that's it. Our affair is over. So I love it, but I can't <laughs> love it as much as I want to love it. I can't, you know, I can't caress it in the way I would if it was mine because it's another man's. But it belongs to another man. <laughs> and it just feels wrong. But it's so right at the same time. <laughs> if this is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> oh, sweet Stratocaster, I love you so um, much. I did immediately. I did we immediately. must be together forever. 
<laughs> Let's run away together. <laughs> and actually, that's what we were talking about early on. You There's were talking about running wrong away with anything with you're saying. I've thought all thoughts possible. I did immediately think, well, if I started to sell my collection, how long before I had enough money to buy this guitar the minute I got it? Because th- they have an allure like that, vintage guitars. They immediately yeah. say, I am special. Uh, do, do not... Do not forsake me. I am not just a cheap holiday fling. I am special. <laughs> I mean, there is something to... I don't know what the allure is, but I remember when I got my my Tele Custom. I remember that was the first vintage guitar that I bought. So I, I was fortunate to inherit the Junior from my grandpa. So that was a little different situation. The world's most awesome grandpa. I'm just going to let you know that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, it was I was a crazy situation because I took it from him to get it fixed for him. I was like, let me get this fixed because he didn't he, really know where to go. He always wanted it to go to you, Blake. And he then he was like, was once I brought it back to him, he was like, how about you just keep it? I was like, yeah, he always knew that. That's awesome. Grandpa, you're the best. Granddad. He was my granddad. But um, but the, the telly was different because I sought it out. I was like, I, I saw it listed on the Black Book Guitars website here in Portland. And I was like, hmm. I need to go play this guitar. And there was when, when as soon as I picked it up, I knew like this is a hundred percent coming home with me. There's n- <laughs> there's n- there's no way. Spell oh, it. Brian oh, spent this whole time just looking for switch positions. For like three <laughs> or four minutes. And I he know. is I, This uh, reminds me of a time in the nineteen eighties <laughs> when I had an argument with somebody that sprites did not exist on a ZX Spectrum computer. In order to win the argument, he went into a shop, took a review of a game, and then wrote a fake column on the right-hand side, (laughs) photocopied it, and then bought that photocopy to me as evidence that I was wrong. You have just done the equivalent of that, Brian. You've gone off, and you've been tapping away on... Adobe InDesign rewriting the strap manual to prove me wrong. <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot of truth to that. So you know, you guys were just talking away, and here I am, just uh, you know, just kind of this thing. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. find this manual. I don't care what it takes. I'm gonna figure out which one is the first position. <laughs> you know, and uh, it took me it took me a few minutes, but yeah, first position officially from Fender.com is the bridge pickup. But is that what Leo said? Well, they're uh, wrong for a start. I mean, what do they know? We about don't know what Leo Fender said. Guitars? <sighs> Speaking of Leo, Fender. did you did you guys happen to see the little video I made this weekend about when Leo sold Fender? I'm going to say yes because by the time this go out goes out, I will have watched it. Okay, but well, I'll no, sum it up for it. those who haven't because it wasn't like a it didn't go crazy any or anything. But uh, I was kind of I was talking to Scott. Because I'm always talking to Scott, and we were Scott, we Scott were, from Stream Joy, by the way. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and we were talking about when Leo sold it, and I was like, "What did he sell the company for? Is that public?" And that information is public. Leo made out like a bandit. Okay, Leo did good for himself. <laughs> In 1965, he sold Fender for 13 million dollars, which was two million dollars more. Yeah, yes, that's a lot of money for Fender now. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he sold it for $13 million, which was $2 million more than CBS paid for the New York Yankees just a couple Wait, of years before. What, what year is this? What year 1965. 19. I want to see what that I, is in the days. I already did this. I already did uh, this math okay, in my video. Okay. So, yeah. Well, okay. I, I think you in, roughly double every 10 years or so, don't you? In 2022 dollars, that's $122 million. 
Uh, Wampa Pedals is for sale in case case anyone has an extra hundred million laying around. Because I was was like, 13 million in 65 is a lot. 13 million is a lot now. What is that? And I did that calculation. $122 million is what the equivalent. uh, and, And Leo stayed around at Fender on salary for a few years so that he wouldn't go somewhere else. So I think he did all right. You know, wow. he did all so right for to, himself. To justify that valuation, the company would need to be making at least thirty to forty million dollars of profit a year at today's money to v- justify at one hundred and twenty million. I would have thought profit, isn't that not wild? Just turnover, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Man, for hundred million dollars. Now, now there is. I took this a little bit further. So when I realized that it was two million dollars more than the Yankees' uh, purchase. I was like, what are the Yankees doing now? And what is Fender doing now? So we know Fender did, uh, at least, you know, in the most recent reports, did close to a billion dollars in revenue or maybe slightly over. Uh, Actually, Fender is doing more revenue than the Yankees, which is not what I expected. I think the Yankees at the last report was somewhere around seven or eight hundred million. Sorry, hold on, wait a minute. Let me just talk back. Who are the Yankees? Is that an army? Or what? <laughs> the New How York Yankees? Work? You you know who the New York Yankees are. Are they are they a softball team? Do they play cricket? Uh, yes, they're a softball team. Because that's that's no, they're a baseball team. I don't even oh, like baseball while I know that. Oh, I Come think on. I found why why Fender are doing better. Because other than Japan, nobody else plays baseball. Whereas yes, Fender but it's a massive sports franchise. Over. Like so, like so we, it's uh, huge. But only in your tra- country. Not around the world. Oh, you mean only in the wealthiest country if in the Jimmy world? Jimi okay. Hendrix came to England with a baseball bat, he wouldn't have become famous. We'd have just gone, no, go and pick up a nice flat willow bat, put on some nice cricket whites, and play the game as it was intended without any of your running so around you, you to You bring bases. up cricket like anybody other than England knows that. So while I know that um, baseball is primarily I think you'll find the United the entire States... Of Asia Pacific follows cricket, so be careful <laughs> what do you everything say. Everything outside of North America <laughs> follows cricket. No, we're not talking about soccer here. We're talking about cricket. Cricket is massive in India, Pakistan, yeah. Australia, and New Zealand. What? It's huge. Yeah. What yeah. are those countries? Pardon? <laughs> oh God! What did he say? <laughs> what are it's those countries? What are those countries? That is Asia Pacific. They don't even start no, but Latinos countries do they? <laughs> if you keep sailing to the left who's, who's from California, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, anybody? Nobody's nobody's turning left eternally in those countries. <laughs> I kid, oh, I kid, gosh. I kid. So I, have to say, I respect. I, have to say, I actually respect genuinely didn't know Yankees. that. Though. No, I do respect your your game of baseball, but I was making a point rather facetiously, which is, you know, Fender have a global reach. Stuff. New York Yankees kind of have a global reach with merchandise, but nowhere near as big, surely, as Fender's global reach. It's it's close, but the, it. I was surprised to see Fender outstrip them by revenue. That was impressive. So I have because, a question. Yeah. Uh, will will a hundred million dollars buy a private plane? Yes. Okay, okay. So this is what I would do if I was Leo. I would buy a a new tractor, a new golf cart, a private plane with a breadboarding station, and I'd call it a day. Like I'd just fly from place to place and breadboard things. Hold on, let's just break that down. Firstly, why are you buying a new tractor? We'll be right back. 
Is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, if you got a hundred million dollars, you might as well buy a new tractor. Well, with a hundred million dollars, that's a dumbass question you got right there. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I would probably buy a small land maintenance company if I had a hundred million dollars and get someone that's else fair. to have that problem. So the tractor, Except Brian likes to drive the tractor. Secondly, I, forget about I that. I enjoy the tractor. Okay, so really, what you want is a monster truck, not a tractor, because no. a monster truck. No, you need the tractor because that way you got, the back, tractor? you got the you got the backhoe attachment so you can dig stuff up, and then you got the bucket so you can carry the stuff that you dig. Right? <laughs> I'll let Brian buy the tractor. This is common sense. <laughs> I mean, I don't so, get why what you don't get. I mean, to be fair, that does sound like my dream. And if I come out to Indiana, can I dig stuff up and put it in the backhoe? It was the whole point of having a tractor. You uh, dig stuff up. Yeah. Now, see, I'm wrong. You're right. You should buy a giant golden tractor. <laughs> uh, 100% agree with that. So uh, the thing about the private plane I don't get is you're not particularly keen on flying, are you? Um, I like flying. I just don't like big airlines, like big airliners, because I, mm. I'm, I feel out of control. So, like, my dad's a pilot, yes. and he's got some small airplanes, and it's fun to, like, go up and fly, you know, to this place or that place. But that's I enjoy so, that. So, hold on. Would you be breadboarding and, and piloting the plane simultaneously? No, no, no. You'd have to have a pilot. I fear pilot. that's a recipe for a disaster. Yeah, yeah you'd have oh, to have shit. a pilot. I just rewind the throttle. We're going down. Oh, no. <laughs> Oops. Don't replace that capacitor. <laughs> oh, it turns out that one was spec for a reason. I shouldn't have modded this circuit board. <laughs> I've cut a lot of the low frequencies out of the propeller. Uh, that also means I've cut a lot of the power and uh, also most of the um, vertical and uh, horizontal thrust. We also seem to have lost all communications. <laughs> but, hmm. the good, but the good news is I have uh, less radio interference in my circuit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you amaze me. Your dream is to have a flying breadboard workshop then. Oh, uh, wouldn't that be great? Just like, you know what? That, I think I'm going to breadboard a circuit on my way to Las Vegas this weekend. Brian Wampler's flying breadboards uh, <laughs> workshop <laughs> is the English humorous show from the 1970s that was never made. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I would, yeah. I would pay for an episode of that. We should do one of your videos. <laughs> I think it Brian would just Wampers turn into the video from surface. from Learn to Fly. Is what it would would happen. It would just turn it would, into that totally video. Totally would be the Foo Fighters video. Learn to Fly. Yep. I absolutely well, that, love that video, and so do my children. By the way, and that is a very good place to segue into the gig of the weekend. Which who watched the Taylor Hawkins gig live from MTV? I did not watch it live. I watched highlights afterwards, Ryan, like I do with everything. You're a massive Foo Fighters I, fan. Surely I am, you watched it. I was, I was put to work. I was not able to. Put to work. What are you now? Some kind of cart horse? 
Are you <laughs> hand plowing your field or something? <laughs> no, no, I've been I've been working on a thing in my free time, and so I was working on my thing. Okay, mm. so whilst you were um, pleasuring yourself with your work, um, that, you hold, didn't. What? 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 <laughs> what hold on, what? easy, easy. Calm down, there, good sir. Oh. He's at Whilst it again. You were, uh, doing that, you didn't have the Taylor Hawkins gig on in the background. No, I, mean, it was, I saw some highlights, but I, I I didn't have a chance to catch the whole thing. It I'm was not gonna lie, epic. I bawled like a baby when his kid played. The oh, drums. that was that was great. There were some very that emotional was, bits, and especially um, just like mannerisms, I'm like that literally looks like Taylor Hawkins. I was, was I showed my yeah. wife. I was like, look at look at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like who? Does, I was just like that. Looks just like Taylor. The way yeah. he, the, just the way he moved. Yeah. I was like, that's crazy. Uh, and, and of course, he's lovely incredible. Well, it. yeah. And he, he's obviously been wanting to play the drums from a very young age. So uh, that's you know a, a sad but fantastic calling for him. Now he should hundred percent. I would say he pretty much cemented his uh, future. Yeah, <laughs> I, I worry a little <laughs> bit about mm-hmm. these kid drummers. We also had Nandy Bushel, this young oh, lady. She was amazing. Yes. She is amazing. But I would worry about the amount of spotlight she's getting right now. And if she's not able to keep that up when she's an adult, it, it's going to be difficult. You know, child fame is very difficult to manage. So I really hope that she's got some good people around her handling her because she is ridiculously talented for a 12-year-old to be able to play like that, much like his son. it There's a lot of talent there in, in some very mm-hmm. young hands. I hope they're well looked after. But it was hugely emotional. Some of it, though, was, sorry, just a bit shite. Um, really? They did, yeah. It's Josh Hom from Queens of the Stone Age did yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, Let's Dance by David Bowie. It just sounded flat. Um, then I think it was Gaz from Supergrass did modern love and that sounded much better um but there were some bits that i was like oh please don't there were some bits that were fantastic uh anytime the remaining members of rush go on a stage you know you're gonna have a good time so i did enjoy some of it and there was a ridiculous cover by someone called uh keisha i think kesha um, kesha kesha Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had to look her up because somebody I called Ke- Keisha. <sighs> I wasn't sure. Richard, you've um, never who are the heard... New York Yankees and who's Kesha? Have you or never Keisha, heard of the song TikTok from Kesha? Uh, no. If I think of TikTok, I just think of you and all your weird videos. Now, the song TikTok was popularized by the amazing artist Kesha. Happens actually happens to be the daughter of some fantastic Nashville songwriters, but um, I forgot about yeah. that. That's yeah. true. It, I did I can't not see. You don't know this. This is I like did not know. Knowing. Blank, completely blank. Um, I, I can't even remember the song. I should remember the song she performed at the weekend because it was quite interesting. Um, she absolutely nailed it, but I can't for the but life it, of me remember the song she did. Um, I have a question. Did it oh, go like yes, this? Yes, I can. It was Mark yeah. Boland's Children of the Revolution. Again, Never another and an, what another British glam rock classic produced by um well, I'm not sure actually whether he did, but Mark Boland was produced by Tony Visconti who plays of course with our friend Paul Cudderford, but uh, mm-hmm. punks some other 
rather amazing credits. Uh, but it, Children of the Revolution is a fantastic song, and I really liked their version of it. I'm just going to say that. She absolutely brought it. Also, how talented is Dave Grohl? Amazing drummer. Oh, man. Competent bass player, and obviously a fantastic guitarist, singer, and songwriter. That's mm-hmm. too much talent in one person. Uh, what did you think about the... Uh, I mean, I, I know what I thought about it, but what did you guys think about the Wolfgang Van Halen portion of the show i was surprised by the way i was kind of thinking i've never heard him play so i was kind of thinking oh you haven't he's very good he's excellent and Mm -hmm. it was kind of emotional again because that's a son of a legend playing in front of the son of another legend both of whom passed you know within a year of each other Mm -hmm. i thought that was a lovely performance and i thought it went down really really well i think the crowd really loved it well, so I wonder if Wolfgang has, like, he publicly said for quite a while that he was not going to play any of his dad's songs. He mm. he said he wasn't going to do it. And now that he's done it, he did it so, he's probably the only one that could sound like his dad. You know, you that, was, that was like, a hint of things to come with the Van Halen reunion. I don't think so. I, not based on what he said before, but I wonder if that's, set people's expectations that that is what will happen. I don't think he'll do it, at least not based upon previous comments. Maybe they'll have multiple guitarists do it, and he'll be one of them. That would be pretty awesome. Like, you could imagine a tribute where they just brought out the best of the best and then brought him back on. That would be amazing. But again... It, it, I don't I don't see it happening, but I was, I was genuinely, genuinely shocked that he did it at all because he's yeah, been so open about wild. not. Yeah. I, literally, I was watching my field just my um, uh, feed just fill up with people going, Wolfie, oh my God, Wolfie. I was like, this is either the greatest loving for the um, amazing British sitcom from the 1970s, Citizen Smith, (laughs) with its lead character, Wolfie, played uh, by a very famous actor whose name escapes me. But uh, Or it is uh, Wolf Van Halen, who absolutely nailed it. Brian, you need to watch that, dude. You think so? I think you'd enjoy it. No, not the whole thing, the highlights. Yeah. You're not going to want reels. to watch The Pretenders. I'm not going to lie to you, Bri. That's not your music. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there'd be things like that. I would just... Uh, yeah, that'd be doing, time to go to the restroom. You know? Well, they're doing the American one soon, and that has a completely different lineup. It has Americans doing stuff. I, I saw Miley Oh, they're Cyrus doing an... There. I didn't realize they were doing another one. Oh, yeah. There's a... I think it's... Uh, is it LA? It's either LA or New York or another city. I don't know. I'm completely useless. Those are the only things. two cities in the United States. That's you have it. more than one? Wow. No, just yeah, New York and LA. That's all I thought we America have. was the capital city of uh, the United States. I'm so wrong. America is. That'd be America. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of which, this will go out a week after we record it. But today we have a new prime minister, um, Liz Truss, who I believe was born on the same day as me. I'm just going to check that fact check. Um, but yes, so uh, monumental new day for Britain. I don't think so. Yeah, she was. She was born on exactly the same day as me, the Prime Minister. Oh, this isn't going to go well then. This is bad news. This is terrible oh, I mean, news. Uh, leave <laughs> the country now, everybody. Everyone I'm leave. I'm telling you, <laughs> if she is made of the same stock as me, we are all doomed. Wait, did you say doom? Because that might be a reason to stick around. I like doom. That might be a reason. 
Yeah. Only with I lots like of fuzz, though. Yeah, bring the riffs, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> Woohoo! I want to tell you guys a little story, but before I do, I think we need to hear about Brian's snake. And no, that is not something Easy, you Richard. be spraying him, me with. Squirt him no, down quick. do not squirt. <laughs> back, back, back. Hold back, back. I, down, boy. I am talking about a cold-blooded reptilian creature. A serpentine again. creature. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have like these little, uh, it sounds like I have fish ponds, you know. But I mean, it's like this little, just a little bitty fish pond, right? And we threw some goldfish in there a couple years ago, and now they're pretty decent size. And um, I noticed one died the other day. And I'm like, that's weird, because I feed them every day. Mm-hmm. And... Then I went to feed them again, and I saw a snake aggressively kill another one right in front of me. <gasps> and, and to keep in mind, this is like literally right in front of my front door. And I'm like, You have a oh. pond right in front of your front door. Well, I say pond. How, how do it's you a get moat. home at night? It's a you, moat around yeah, his castle, moat, is what it is. It? It's, yeah. it's either that three, or he water skis it's, home from the barn. <laughs> it's three feet wide by five feet long. It's not a big, it's just a little bitty fish pond. I mean, that's the size of my entire got, garden, Brian. I mean, so, I mean, that's massive. Well, and I mean, keep in mind here in Martinsville, it's common for people to have big, big ponds, acres, multiple acres size, like huge. It's completely pointless. Like, well, I mean, you have to have something for like the cows and horses to drink from, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah, sure. Okay. Like, no, not it's pointless. I take it here. back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just farm ground out here. So like, this is a very small, you know, landscape structure. Anyways. So I'm like, all right, well, that's a big nope rope in that one. So it looks like we're filling that dude in this weekend. Hold on. Wait one <laughs> second there. What in Sam Hill did you just say, Brian? That's a big nope rope. Yeah, that's what I call mm-hmm. snakes. Nope ropes. Nope ropes. <laughs> you, I don't like you snakes and, at all. Yeah. I do not like snakes. I don't care if they're the good kind or they're all, they're all evil. I don't like them. Like them so at all. how I need to try to get a gauge on this because my wife also really hates snakes. Can you watch a snake on television? I can, but I don't like it. But will you leave the room? Like if the snake comes on TV? Not necessarily. I'm just uncomfortable. Okay, she'll leave the room. She'll be like, I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> I, mean, I, I probably, I guess if I didn't live in the country, there's just been times over the years where I've had to deal with one. Yeah, You know, like the other day, there's one in the yard and my daughter almost stepped on it. And I'm like, shh. So I went and got a shovel and I chopped its head off and I had to throw Hold it out the whoa, woods. Whoa, whoa, what? Yeah. That's what we do to nope ropes. F those things. <laughs> I don't like them. Don't like them at all. Uh-uh. Nope. No, I, 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 I understand you need to dispatch them. But yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking you would have at least had... Uh, M5 um, flamethrower from circa 1963 out there, or a, well, I mean, so a tank, keep it, or a, keep an mind, Apache gunship, is, or something similar. Uh, keep in mind, out here where we live, I mean, there's coyotes, there's there's rattlesnakes. There's, so it's common for a person to carry a, a gun. A Panzerfaust, yeah, I, I mean, get it. <laughs> like, so I didn't have my shotgun, but I did have a shovel. So <laughs> shovel it was. One way or the other, that nope rope was dying, and so it did. What's happened to the one in your pond then? It's still alive. It is still in the pond, consuming my fish while I am podcasting. 
Hmm. Coyote is also the name of the guy that hangs out at the gas station and you can get <laughs> products from. <laughs> yeah. Ah, the king of the methodestrians. I've heard <laughs> of him. You got to go um, talk to Coyote. He's the one with the teardrop tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you considered purchasing a mongoose? I think that might be the solution to you know your I, uh, no I ran out. I ran that by my wife and she said, wouldn't filling it in be easier? And I said... Well, yeah, filling the there. snake in. No, no, I mean, no, no. taking <laughs> taking the tractor, pick it up with and a, pour epoxy resin down its neck. I am just going. <laughs> I'm going to take the tractor and just put a pile of dirt all over everything, That's including the fish. Well, the fish are going to be dead shortly because it keeps eating them. So, <laughs> okay. It's, have you considered still, some kind of fish the, lure the to get shot. it out of the pond? You need the snake shot. What? What? So two things here. I, I thought about shooting it, but then I would tear up my liner. Not right? with snake shot. Snake shot is snake not shot? that powerful. Is snake shot like some kind of? I'm imagining it's like a chain connected together, so it decapitates. No, it's not like that at all. It is a oh. miniature shotgun shell that you can put in a pistol, and it's it's. They're not that powerful, but they're <laughs> You're powerful crazy enough. The Americans. What no, we it, need it really... is the ability to turn pistols into shotguns. <laughs> I've got that's a actually, plan. Actually, not See, a bad idea. Well, that's the thing is that they're not that powerful. So it'll do the snake in, but your liner will probably be okay. Hmm. So pro- probably the... is is not a scientific uh, measurement that Brian feels comfortable with, I don't think. Well, shoot a piece of plastic with it and test, and then you're good, you know? Or, or just get the tractor get a big scoop of dirt and dump it over the top. But then you've lost uh, your pond. Then you've lost your pond. That's true, but then I won't there have to There's so mess many with other solutions, anymore. Brian. I do not like snakes. The thing is you will all. still have to mess with snakes because of where you live. If you put a, a small layer a of corn you a oil, you, you got to get a mongoose. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's just, really just the ultimate buy a thing. Mongoose. In I fact, you goats. should buy two. Why not mongoose? You should buy two mongoose. I could make a joke about that, but I won't. Were they mongoose um, at that point? Or mongai? <laughs> or mongooses. Mongooses. Well, there there is a famous joke about that, but uh I believe the correct is is the correct uh collective kind of term would be mongooses. Mongooses? Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Mongooses are cool, you know? They just are. Ever since I read Ricky Ticky Tavi, I've always been a fan of the mongoose. You know? Every time I think of mongoose Mongooses, though, I think of the BMX bike, you know, which was a also cool and absolutely yeah, like cool. that was the one to have. I remember in like about 1985, someone saying the best BMX is the mongoose. That's all amazing. I associate with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want one. Then they sold yeah, buy, out and went to Walmart or whatever it was. Buy yeah. some mongooses immediately, Brian, and then your problem solved. Or cover the uh, pond in a, about a two millimeter. Sorry, uh, let me convert that into nano inches for you. Into three sixty fourths of an inch of how many oil. Ba- bald eagle claws is that? Then on top of the oil, <laughs> put about um, f- yeah fifteen boiled eagles. Boiled eagles. Boiled no. eagle. <laughs> That'll get you in prison over here, bub. <laughs> no, don't be boiling our eagles. Some <laughs> petroleum right. on top of the oil and set light to it. It will kill the snake. And it will burn your house down. and Or he will have a flaming built. snake crawl out of the pond and attempt Ex- to attack him. Exactly. Oh, the like, only thing worse like than, like a, than a nope rope is a fiery oh, nope rope. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, um, that's bad. So, 
is that the final solution? Oh no, that's that's a terrible way of putting it. Is that your conclusion with how you're going to deal with it? I think so. I mean, because there's other problems. We we actually need to redo the liner because it's it's old. It's about ten years old. So I guess I could shoot it, but then. Uh, I guess in a way I'm just tired of messing with it because I I don't like frogs either. And there tends to be a lot of frogs in this area. And they gravitate towards ponds. Why did they, you put a pond in in the first place? So once you've got because, your snake shot, can I also introduce wife. you to the frog log? a good idea. It, the frog log is a weapon <laughs> designed entirely for dealing with frogs. Now how the frog log works, it's like a regular log, but a bit smaller. And you hit the frog with it. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got an idea. Do you think that bug assault gun would work on the snake? Do you think I it'd think at least get oh, it like out a, of there? Like pe- a pe- up. Yeah, yeah, the salt launcher. Oh, my neighbor has works. one. I'm going to have to ask. That, I don't think you, so. You have to get pretty close to it. And I, I bet you would, I I bet it would make the snake the leave. Snake. It would make it leave. Or it yeah, would yeah, just yeah, get yeah, a bit salty. Yeah, and make it leave and be like, Outside my house, yeah, it's waiting. waiting. It's just waiting, waiting for, for me. Yeah, you leave with, like, in the direction of Brian. It's got a trench coat on. It's just leaning exactly. up, exactly, peering Do out like the neighborhood watch guy. It is. Yep. It's a eastern. What did what did my neighbor say it was? Because he's the snake guy. He said it is. Uh, hold on, don't go anywhere. Eastern water snake. Well, oh, that's he, why it's in water. We have copperheads here and we have some rattlesnakes and I don't like any snake. Like, I just don't like them at all. Or frogs. Or mm. worms. Or really anything that's not furry. There's one time I licked this frog and ancient... I saw stuff. Oh, wait. That's a different story. I shouldn't do that one. <laughs> yeah, don't lick <laughs> frogs. Have you ever considered searching um, ancient Egypt for perhaps the Ark of the Covenant, Bri? Because the, <laughs> the more I get to talk to you, the more I'm convinced you're actually Indiana- Indiana Wampler. <laughs> he does he live do in it. Indiana. He does. Uh, I, See, uh, the clues are there. It was there mm-hmm. all along in front of our eyes. Ah, oh, let's hope the last episode isn't as bad as the last film of that series. Oh. Right, kids? Oh. Jumping the refrigerator. Oh, that's ridiculous. Right, I've got a little story for you boys. So I went back to my hometown uh, last week to view, uh, well, to hang out with some old friends. One of them is quite old. He is now about 75, and he was the first person in our village to have hair longer than Mick Jagger. So he's been in the music scene that long. Uh, Always kind of like on the outskirts. He used to sell bootleg records of kind of Dylan and things like that. Anyhow, he has a band which I have had to alter the name of in order to anonymize. So we're going to call the band Father Nurture. Uh, And... This band were relatively unheard of. They had a couple of records in the 70s. And uh, it came to their attention that one of the records had been sampled by somebody else. Again, I can't talk about who it was. We're going to refer to them as Safety Cat. And this particular act had taken their record and used samples of it, but claimed it was uh, initially, I think the claim was it wasn't a particularly big sample. So another friend of mine who we're just going to call Dave, um, who is a literal musical genius. He is the guy that actually got me into pedals. Um, He he used to work for a guitar company back in the 80s, 
incredibly talented guy um, and one of the, the best kind of engineers I know. He listened to the track, ran it through uh, Pro Tools and ran it through some plugins and was able to kind of figure out all of the different bits that this band uh, or this act had sampled and kind of came back and said, well, no, actually they've used more than just a sample of it. They've taken the whole guitar solo and, and mixed it all up and, and kind of repurposed it. And this sort of went back and forth in a friendly nature, I believe, with the lawyers of the the the, the act. And they ended up paying quite a, a decent royalty fee, like including some ongoing. And I just thought, you know, it, it's, it is a new era for technology with how powerful DAWs are now with what you can do just as a regular kind of and D- Dave has access to some pretty high-end stuff, but it's stuff that you and I could put together with a, a simple budget, and he was able to kind of get that information out. I think that's a really interesting story. I'm really interesting to look at how much they paid in royalties because they they opened the checkbook. They were like, yeah, you can have a cut of the royalties going forward, not a problem. So yeah. um, you, you mentioned, not to change the subjects abruptly, but it reminded me of something. You mentioned how how powerful DAWs are now. Yep, yep. Digital audio workstations for those who don't know what we're talking about. No, like I was talking Logic about doors that you put on put on a hinge, just just like a piece of wood <laughs> with oh, yes. three hinges. That's the mm-hmm. kind of door I mean. No, I'm yeah. making light right. of you. No, I was I was just uh, thinking. I've kind of came to a point where I'll plug into my tube amps, but run them through the captor, so there's no speaker cabinet. And then I'm listening through my studio monitors with all the dressing. So I got mm-hmm. stereo reverbs, I got stereo room stuff going on, and it's just massive sound. I actually think I enjoy that more than playing through the cabinet itself. And you laughed at me when I told you I used to play through a Line 6 running into my studio monitors. You said I was foolish. You said it didn't sound like a wasp in a, in a tin can. Well, you're wrong. Well, if you DS those line sixes enough, you can get that 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 wasp sound out pretty pretty easily. That's the trick. I've been, a good DSer. I, I've been doing a lot of direct in stuff myself, and the other night I was like, ah, it's been a while since I plugged into my classic stereo tube amp rig. I better do that, and I did, and I went, oh yeah, and now <laughs> I'm I've been lying to myself. This is this is better. <laughs> this is a lot uh, better. No, I enjoy both, but. Mm-hmm. They're just, it's like two completely different worlds to me. And I don't know. There's just something about being able to manipulate things within Ooh, look, like logic strat. that's completely just a little more satisfying to me right now. While we're talking uh, for the listeners, Richard picked up a 1963 Strat, which appeared to have come from between his toes. And uh, he is now gently caressing it and and looking at it longingly. She's mine at the moment. It may not last forever, but she's mine at the moment. (laughs) Or he. It could be a he. It. Them. I don't know. Whatever it is, you love it. That's all there is to it. So I I also want to mention, uh, I like the Rosewood. I'm I'm a big fan of the Rosewood. Can you see how the the dots are not in the center at all, like mm, that. Not hard to tell webcam. from your little webcam thing. Yeah, move it a bit forward. I, I, um, I checked in with our resident strat expert, uh, Travis Feasterbry, and he was like, "If that thing has um, saddles that say patent applied for, 
you need to remove them and send them to me immediately. And I'm like, don't worry, I've got it sorted. So I, I went and looked, and yes, these are patent applied for saddles. So really? they are the correct. Oh, yeah. So you immediately is, went to Amazon and bought some I bought replacements. A set of, and- yeah, I bought a set of Squire replacements. <laughs> I've uh, dipped them in some coffee, which I think will make them look relict. And I'm just going to put them on, and the owner will never know the difference. Oh, that's a never. great it's, idea. It's, especially because you mentioned that he listens to the podcast. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's, he won't even notice him because I not anonymized. Uh, oh, hold on, no, it doesn't work. Like and, that. It, and especially <laughs> since you like, he knows people that knows people. You know, I'm sure oh, he, he won't he disappear does. at all. I don't know whether you, uh, <laughs> I don't know whether you can see. Oh, hold on, uh, try and get the check in. There you go. Because there's a little yeah, bit. This of is natural. great for an audio podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is great. We're looking at the checking on this guitar. Well, I told you a story, anyone's, and you just changed subject. I told you an interesting story. I thought this is the story to end. That is an story. interesting story, it, but I don't know what else to say about it. I have, I have the squirrel. <laughs> I have a squirrel's brain. I saw something shiny in my head, and I took off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw it. I saw something shiny in my head. That's a new level of distraction. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, chaps. I listened to the um, to the episode from last week. Blurkle was genius. No, Blurkle was the funniest thing. Listening back. To your nerd voice, I was in stitches in my house. It was very good. And other people have commented so, Blake. You you definitely have a career ahead of you as a Saturday Night Live comedian. I'm just going to put that Yeah, if nothing else, you need to be doing some Fiverr gigs, you know? Some Blurk or OnlyFans. Or OnlyFans. Or OnlyFans. I don't want to do OnlyFans for people who are real into Steve Urkel. That's just not going to be a good <laughs> recipe for. Oh, oh man, that sounds terrifying. Woo. Then you can, can sell I your business that? for a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I don't even want to uh, go there. Um, Never mind. So the there, there are other things that I'm going to keep for the patron, but the one big pedal release that we need to very quickly talk about is the final actual release of the um, MXR Duke of Tone pedal, the collaboration with Analog Man in a nice little purple mini pedal. Um, you guys seen it? I have seen it. Do you even know it. what a pedal is? What's a pedal? What do you do with them? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Let's understand. consult the Fender manual, Bri. What do you do with pedals? Go and have a look up the Fender manual. <laughs> Uh, let me just... Uh, yeah, the, the Duke of Tone is an interesting move. So, like, MXR have done this previously with the Timmy, right? Yep. Um, and they've they've partnered with a lot of brands over the years here and there. I feel like maybe I'm wrong about this, but what does this get you that you don't get with the Prince of Tone? Because the Prince of Tone is, talk about. is still... A 300-year waiting sure list? I don't what? even know the Prince of Tone no, the Prince has of a Tone. waiting list. I'm joking. I don't think it does. That's the, no. maybe, I could be wrong about that, but maybe I don't this believe is for the people Prince of Tone prefer does. mini pedals to full size pedals. Yeah, that's could true. Could be that. I mean, yeah, that's true. You got, I mean, it'll, it's going to be in every shop that has a guitar on the wall. Yeah, you know? that's true. And MXR's got wide distribution, and so that mm-hmm. would therefore get it in front of people who maybe have never even heard of this pedal before. So that's a good mm-hmm. point. I, I, Believe it or not, if... there are people that have never heard of, of Analog Band or King of Tone. There are those type of players out there. Yeah. You know, you know who's not one of those people? My wife. She's heard me talk about Analog Man a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, why are you talking to me about this? Mm-hmm. In your sleep every night. Um, 
I think there's a kind of cool thing going on here, though, because I know Josh talked very recently about the death of boutique pedals and the whole full-tone thing. But what's really happening here is you've got a couple of boutique brands in Analog Man and in in kind of the, the Timmy circuit. Paul Cochran, yeah. Paul mm-hmm. Cochran. And that's, you know, not going to filter out to your average, I go into a shop and buy a Boss MXR Electro Harmonics pedal Without Great. some creative marketing. And that's what this is. This is pushing those brands, giving those brands exposure to a mark. You know, I definitely would never have gone and looked, don't take this the wrong way, Bri, at a Wampler pedal without having someone in the guitar shop tell me about it when I didn't know anything about them. That's how it works. Yeah. If you don't know yeah. about mm-hmm. a brand, you tend not to venture out unless someone helps sell you one. That's true. But, years and years ago, I can't tell you the brand, but there was a brand that I was considering partnering with in a situation sort of similar to this, um, but I chose not to. It I mean, similarly, the, to, you know, to further emphasize your point on this, a lot of larger guitar brands marketing is simply being widely distributed and being in various shops just simply existing in those places where people are going to walk through the doors and look at it is a form of marketing. In fact, there are, I can't name the names, but there are string brands that are substantially larger than us who we did hear through the grapevine what their marketing budgets were. And we're like, that's not very much for being, you know, 20 billion times the size that we are. Uh, and so, then we, but it. we realized they don't need it because no. they are doing it through more traditional distributed channels, and that's essentially what MXR is doing here. So it makes yeah. a lot of sense when you think about it. But well, there's now a lot I'm of people starting that, to understand. Yeah, there's a lot of people that just go into a guitar store and buy some strings or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of those people probably could care less to look at a gear group, right? You know? Or listen and, to a guitar podcast. Or listen to a guitar podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You Good know? thing this isn't one. This is a nonsense this is podcast. This is a nope rope po- uh, podcast. We're here <laughs> yes. to discuss the different breeds of nope rope available. And to... And John Deere uh, tractors. <laughs> and to sell our new product, the Frog Log. The ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate amphibian dispatch unit. Um, Brought to you by Bullshine Industries. That's right. Available at Costco. We should just change this podcast into the let's dream up a random product each week. Hey, I did have something. I did have something. We were going to give the audience a tip every week that is to do with guitar. And it guarantees, therefore, that we have at least some guitar content on the show. And we've had a fair amount today, but I've got one. Yep, here comes here comes a a doozy, (laughs) listeners. I can see the look on his face. (laughs) This is gonna be don't mislabel. If you drop a guitar into a fish pond with a snake in it, forget about the guitar, just bury it with dirt. I mean, this could be a use for that Fender Strat that you uh, broke the neck off. I know you've had it repaired, but I don't trust it. Throw it in. You know, that Strat, I'm just... um, It's legendary. I know, but it just... I keep... I played it yesterday. I'm like, I need to like, like this. I need to enjoy playing this, and I just don't. Do Sounds you like think you, need a you play version. the guitar? I have a Whitfield strap. I like it a lot better. You do have a, Oh, well, there you mm-hmm. go. Problem solved. No, problem solved. Send us the strap. Mm-hmm. Me and Blake, me and Blake well, I'll take the neck. He can have the body. Problem solved. Um, but then I'd have a strap. I don't know. Do you think you ever find the one? 
do you think it's possible to ever find the guitar that's perfect? Or does every guitar you find redefine what is perfect? Uh, I mean, what is perfect, perfect though? Because, yeah, because like my seven string, I think, is a perfect guitar, but it also isn't a perfect guitar for lots of things. It's got uh, at least 18% more string than the perfect guitar. So I disagree with you (laughs) immediately on that. So I'm just saying, I, I can do things with it that. Like it's not going to do the wheelie wheeze and the, it's, yeah. it's a chug a chug. It will machine. do the wheelie wheeze. You've just got to be, you know, like have the brain of Tom Quayle to do that. Because well, that's be, be not going to happen. Got to be a little more wheelie weeish, as they say. You know, I don't well, I'm think not anyone to. says. All that. right, what's your tip, Richard? Sorry, yeah, yeah, I keep cutting you tip. off. We got to yeah. get off right. here anyways. I'm going to start that's with true. a very basic tip: tune your guitar. I hear a lot of people doing demos on the internet, and they're not always fully in tune. That is a no-no. And there is this week's tip of the week. And keep it intonated too, because that's important. Uh, Very important. And also, know which is position one and position five on a Stratocaster switch. The Oliver method of identification is a a complete reverse to the Fender method, but that's wrong. The Oliver method is correct. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I'm with you, Richard. Thank you. All right, so let let me give a little shout out to our executive producers, those who really love us more than anyone, you know? And Mm -hmm. we love them too. We love them. So, Bill Bays, Jake Young from Man the Helm Podcast, Justin Burke, David Tindall, Knight Haas, Dave Trombetti, Shannon Weaver and the band Reduced to Rust, Eric Wilson, Radar Frostad, Michael Freer, (laughs) Sean Arbo of Gun Street Wiring, Rick Calhoun of Honey Picks, DJ Patty F, Dylan Toxtone, Stran, Kevin Harrington, Barry from Grez Guitars, Felicity, who makes the annoying memes, Tom Kelly, Pigsy, Zebo, John O'Neill, Robert Carr, Hunter Hudson, Rob Stokes, Jordan from the effects company, Poison Noises, and the Flying, Flying Dutchman. Dutchman. Flying Dutchman. I just like saying that. That's nice bit of pre-delay there, Blake. That worked well. well. Flying Dutchman. Flying Dutchman. Flying Dutchman. Flying Dutchman. Okay, Brian's broken. Change hey. it. See you guys. Oh, we got to change his oil. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Tone podcast. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email podcast at wobblerpedals.com, and I'll personally get your email. To email Blake, email info at tonemob.com, and Richard can be reached at richard at wobblerpedals.com. If you'd like to show your support for the show, the simplest and free way to do that is to share this podcast with a friend, leave a review and a rating where you normally get your podcasts. Also, make sure to check out Blake's podcast called The Tone Mob, and make sure to check out wobblerpedal.com for blogs, videos, and, of course, guitar effects. If you'd like to hear the post-podcast conversations and get double the content, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. <laughs>